0: The ED physician has done a fine job of treating your patient who has gastritis and now an acute GI bleed. He is admitted and waiting on a bed. But when hours go by and he doesn't have a bed, are you aware his mortality may be on the rise with every hour that he waits in the emergency department? You're listening to ReachMGXM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Sean Liu, an attending physician at Mass General and an instructor at Harvard Medical School in Boston. Dr. Liu is an emergency medicine practitioner who also has a degree in health policy and management. She and her colleagues have completed a study on the effects of emergency department boarding on mortality and morbidity. And when we talk about emergency medicine, remember, these may be your patients, whatever your specialty may be, as you listen to this interview. We're discussing the direct effects of emergency department boarding on patients regarding their mortality and morbidity. Welcome to Reach MD, Dr. Liu.
1: Thank you, Dr. Johnson. It's a pleasure.
0: First of all, can you explain to our listeners, who may not all be emergency physicians, what emergency department boarding is all about?
1: Well, there are different specific definitions of boarding in different studies, but the basic idea is that patients who have been worked up and their disposition has been decided upon, and they're admitted to the hospital, but they don't have a ready bed upstairs on the floors, have to wait in the emergency department until that bed is available, and sometimes that can take two hours, two days, depending on how backed up the hospital is upstairs.
0: Now, sometimes when people hear these stories about the emergency department, they think it's their problem, the emergency department's problem. But why should physicians listening to our show who may not even work in an emergency department, why should they be concerned?
1: All physicians should be concerned about boarding because no matter what type of physician you are, you're either likely to send a patient to the emergency department or consult a patient on a patient in the ED or inherit a patient if you're a hospitalist or taking care of patients up on the floor. And since boarding is really becoming a worldwide hospital problem, few practicing physicians can really avoid the problem of boarding, in my opinion.
0: Now, what is different about the study that you carried out on boarding? Hasn't all this been looked at before, or did you do something different?
1: Well, there's been a growing body of literature trying to examine the consequences of ED crowding and length of stay, but really, people have just assumed that the quality of care delivered to patients while they're boarding is compromised, but no one has really directly studied the type of care and the errors that are happening during that time.
0: And how did you study this? What did you and your group do?
1: So this is just a pilot study, and it actually was designed to inform a bigger study that we just completed. And what we did was basically take a random sample of three days during a several-month period of time and just look at the charts of all patients that were admitted to the hospital during three randomly selected days and actually just look at what happened during the time that they were awaiting their bed, and look at whether their meds were missed, if they had an adverse event, looked also to see if they missed certain type of ED treatments, second sets of labs, or second sets of antibiotics. And basically, it was an exploratory study to try and figure out how to better design a study that would compare what was happening on the floor to the emergency department.
0: Did you strictly define your AEs in advance?
1: So we tried to adapt the study from an adverse event study that was being conducted on the floor, but it was difficult because no other study has really looked at what was happening in, among boarding patients. And so we defined an adverse event, in consistent with the Institute of Medicine, defined it as an injury that was attributable to error. And then it was more exploratory in terms of the process measures, such as MIS Labs and missed enzymes and missed antibiotics.
0: Who did these evaluations on the ED-admitted patients?
1: So I was the person who screened all the initial charts, so that was about 151 charts, and then I flagged the charts that looked like there was an undesirable event, and then those charts ended up going to two sets of other board-certified physicians so that they could independently decide whether or not a true adverse event or error occurred. So I did the initial screening, and then it went on to two other physicians to sort of try to reliably determine that there was an error.
0: Now, was there a control group for this study?
1: Unfortunately, no, because it was more of an exploratory study. And so it's difficult to say that what is happening in the ED among borders is actually worse than on the floor because we don't have that comparison, as you said. So... The study that we just conducted is trying to answer that question, and we had a control group that was included in the study.
0: So let's talk about your pilot. What did your study show?
1: So we basically found that approximately 27.8% of patients had at least one undesirable event. So 17.9% of patients missed a home medication while they were boarding.
0: And you had some really interesting case studies that were highlighted in the pilot. Could you comment on some of those for us? Yes.
1: Yeah, so what we basically just looked at was errors, sort of process measure errors, and then also adverse events. And together, we decided that those constituted an undesirable event. So we split it into process measures such as MIS or MIS medications, and then we also looked at adverse events. And among the adverse events, the two physicians together decided that there were five that I listed in the study that had had an adverse event. So, for example, a 79-year-old gentleman with gastrointestinal bleeding, coronary artery disease, a hematocrit level of 22, was hypotensive to 80 over 47 at 11 p.m. And then while he was boarding, no blood was ordered, no IV fluid was given, and he was boarding for approximately 144 minutes.
0: 144 minutes sounds kind of short.
1: That's a short one. Yeah. Some of the other ones are um, patients had been waiting for, you know, 569 boarding minutes. I think the longest one we had noted in that group of five was 1,335 boarding minutes. And that was a patient that had cellulitis, hypoxia, and then there was a potentially misdiagnosis of a PE or pulmonary embolism or cardiovascular disease. And he ended up dying five days later after being transferred into the ICU.
0: So some of your patients hit hours. Did any of them hit the days mark? Because coming from a county hospital, we've seen this.
1: So in general, we don't usually, at Mass General, have patients that stay for days and days. The median time is about eight hours or five to eight hours, so we try to get them upstairs before they... (laughs) hit the two-day mark.
0: That's excellent. That's why you're at Mass General and some of us have worked in other places. For those of you just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and I'm speaking with Dr. Sean Liu from Mass General Hospital in Boston. We're discussing the impact on mortality and morbidity when you have boarders or admitted patients who are in the emergency department for an extended time. So there is some liability over cases that are sitting in an ER and have untoward events. What was the the response of your risk management department or your hospital to that?
1: So actually, our risk management department is extremely supportive, and the study that I just completed, this pilot study informed, so we just completed a study that had about 2,000 patients in it. They actually funded a large majority of it. So they're very interested in it and understand that it's only a matter of time before some untoward event becomes a liability issue for the hospital. So they're very forward-thinking, and they're very interested in trying to figure out a way to change the system so that boarding becomes less of a liability. So I have nothing but positive um, things to say about our risk management group.
0: So they welcomed your work because you were highlighting areas of interest to them, correct?
1: Exactly. So they understand that there is a probability, a high probability, that that because it's such a dangerous situation that a suit will come up at some point.
0: But you agree with me that this has gone on in most institutions for years and years and very often um, administration is not responsive?
1: I agree that it's difficult. It's late in the the 1990s. People had already started complaining of ED overcrowding and I think it's been positive that in at least in the 2000s, at least the General Accounting Office and the Institute of Medicine have published these large studies trying to get a better grasp of the extent of ED crowding, the extent of boarding, and so at least that's encouraging. There's still a long way to go in terms of changing policy, and I think the problem in the end is how the hospital is reimbursed in terms of the types of patients that come through the emergency department versus the type of patient that gets admitted electively. Or directly admitted.
0: But my experience is they don't usually turn around and say that so could you comment perhaps on some of the reasons that your hospital or maybe other hospitals have given in terms of why patients are admitted and in the ER for hours. Sometimes it isn't really, some of them are funded as well and they still don't move upstairs. So what are some of the issues? Well I
1: think there's no one simple issue. One issue is in general patients there is hospital overcrowding so there's more patients that need beds that come to the hospital than there are available. So there's, we have an aging population that is getting sicker, and we're doing more things to them, such as giving them transplanted lungs and transplanted livers, and so they have more complications. So in general, there's a demography issue, and then there's also an issue of supply. So between the mid-'90s to the mid-2000s, there was a decrease in the number of hospitals that had emergency departments, which led to increasing crowding, and also because of the financial situation where hospitals are competing with one another, they're forced to actually work at higher capacities, so their occupancies are much higher, and as a result, crowding happens. And so I see crowding as really a symptom of a really broken system in general. And then, of course, the EMTALA, which is the Emergency Medical Transport and uh, Labor Act, basically is an unfunded mandate that says that all patients who come to the emergency department need to be evaluated and since it's unfunded, the problem is the way that reimbursement goes, those patients oftentimes that come through the emergency department are less profitable because of the payer mix than patients who are directly admitted.
0: One thing we heard before from other guests that I've had on the show was overcrowding or boarding does tend to reach its peak in the in the late afternoon and evening hours, and often if a patient hasn't gone up by midnight, they may not go up at all. Hospitals have been accused of holding open beds for paying patients that were coming in the next day for an elective admission, and especially in county hospitals, et cetera, the unfunded or the patients who came in through the ER, if they're funded or not, may actually sit there until the next shift comes in the next day, more discharges occur and the empty beds are held open rather than hold up a funded bed.
1: I can't comment on what happens in our hospital because I'm not privy to that information. Uh, I do know that in some county hospitals, such as uh, Boston Medical Center, they've tried to change the elective surgery schedules so that it's much more smooth in terms of exactly what you said Dr. Johnson about the afternoons and Mondays and Fridays being days which are you know there's overcrowding because of the way that hospitals are saving beds for elective procedures and so what they've done at those hospitals which is Boston Medical Center is a county hospital is try to smooth the elective surgery schedule so that boarding is much less of a problem at that hospital so their administration was very responsive to it.
0: Has your hospital ever independently evaluated outcomes on boarders or was your pilot study the first to do anything like that?
1: My study was the first to do that.
0: Does ED boarding at your facility result in increased diversion times? Has that been tracked?
1: So we stopped diversion in the beginning of 2009.
0: So we should tell our listeners what diversion is because then everybody works in an emergency room.
1: So diversion is basically when hospitals request that ambulances be diverted to other hospitals. So we can't ever turn away an ambulance, but it's basically when we feel overcrowded or we feel overstressed that we say, please, you know, if there's a long wait, we just can't handle the flow right now, please consider going to a different hospital.
0: So you stopped doing that?
1: So the Boston area stopped doing that because many patients were being diverted to other hospitals, which leads to also its own issue of decreased quality of care because if all their care is done at one hospital and they get diverted to another hospital, it increases the number of studies that are being done, and in the end, it's probably not the best care for patients. But Mass General was always the one that had the highest rates of diversion, and so a large part of that is in the literature, boarding has been highly correlated with crowding, which has been correlated with diversion.
0: So when you pick these patients to evaluate, and I think your results were fairly impressive because at least the five highlighted in the article, some of them had bad outcomes while they were still hospitalized, correct? Correct. Is there any room for selection bias? How were they picked?
1: So I picked all patients on those three randomly selected days. There's certainly selection bias in terms of whether or not the two physicians who reviewed the charts thought that there was an error. So they were not blinded to the study, which is something that we outlined in our limitations, that they determine that those were indeed errors that were preventable. So in terms of, I reviewed all patients that were actually admitted on the three days, and so I don't think there's selection bias in terms of which patients were reviewed, but Mm -hmm. I do certainly think that there's potentially bias because the two reviewers were not blinded to the hypothesis of the study.
0: How bad is overcrowding at Mass General?
1: Overcrowding is difficult to define because in the literature there's no one way of measuring overcrowding, but certainly it nowadays there are routinely thirty patients waiting in the emergency department just to be evaluated in the waiting room. And it certainly is distressing as a physician and to the patients as well to wait hours to be seen. So I remember when I was in residency, it was very uncommon that there be patients waiting in the hallways to be evaluated, and now you you look back eight years later, And we have physicians staffed out in the waiting room now to try and take care of patients while they're in the waiting room and thus prevent adverse outcomes.
0: Thank you, Dr. Liu, for being our guest.
1: Thank you, Dr. Johnson. It's my pleasure.
0: We've had Dr. Shane Liu today from Mass General and Harvard Medical School. We've been discussing ER boarding, impact on mortality and morbidity for your patients. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Go to ReachMD.com and check out our full line of podcasts. Thank you for listening.